All right, Merry Christmas. I haven't had a chance to say that to you yet, so uh, Merry Christmas, or Merry, Merry Christmas Eve, I guess, is close enough. So. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a great time of year. It's the, the time of year where we rightly take time to think about and celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and it's really important for us to take this time and really orient ourselves and our hearts to focus on Jesus and his birth because that's what this time of year is all about, right? I mean, we need to remind ourselves what this season is actually about because our world is doing absolutely everything they can to take Christ out of Christmas. And I mean, you can just think about so many examples of this, but just think for an instance for for a moment with me. Think back over the past month at all the commercials and advertisements you have either heard on the, the radio or you've seen on TV. Now, here's my question to you. How many times have you actually heard the word Christmas over the past month? Probably not at all, right? It's because they've taken the word Christmas out and they have substituted it with holidays, Happy holidays. No longer Merry Christmas. They do that to try to be more inclusive of those who might celebrate other holidays, even though the commercial might have a Christmas tree right there. And it's like, what what holiday do you think you're talking about? Like, come on, let's just call it what it is, right? It's Christmas, so say Christmas. But this is intentional. Because here's the thing. Language is powerful. It's very powerful. Language actually controls how we think. And the eminent thinker, one of my favorite authors, George Orwell, he knew this really well. He wrote about it in his famous work, 1984. In that book, in 1984, the society creates a new language called Newspeak. And what they do is they eliminate the overwhelming majority of words from their language. And this was intentional. One of the main people who was working on Newspeak said this, Don't you see that the whole aim of Newspeak is to narrow the range of thought? In the end, we shall make thought crime literally impossible... Because there will be no words in which to express it. That was the whole goal. And the same thing, listen to me church, the same thing is being done in our world today. They want to remove words from our vocabulary to narrow our range of thought so that we never actually think about Christ at Christmas time. It's sad that the world has come to this. The coming generations will not associate Christ with Christmas at all. In fact, he's not even the main character in the Christmas story anymore, is he? When when people talk about Christmas now, they talk about Santa Claus, not Jesus. When the coming generations think about Christmas, they will only think about materialism, consumerism, the discounts they can get this time of year, the gifts that they have to buy for others, the presents that they will receive from others. To them, that is what this season is all about. And listen... Christmas is about presents, but not presents that you receive from others, not presents you buy at the store. Christmas is all about the presence of Christ in our lives. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became like us in every way, yet without sin. You see, that's what we need to focus on This Christmas season. It's not the gifts that we will give and receive, but the present that we receive from God, which is none other than the gift of His own Son. 
You see, the whole idea is that the present we need is the presence of Christ. That's what you need this Christmas. Do you understand that, church? That's what you need this Christmas. That's what you need every day for every moment of your life. You do not need anything from anyone else. You need Jesus, the presence of Christ in your life. He is everything. And you might be used to hearing that around this time of year. So that leads me to ask a question. Well, why is the presence of Christ God's greatest gift to humanity? Have you thought about that recently? You hear people talking about it. You hear people saying it, but, but the question is, well, why? Why is the presence of Christ God's greatest gift to humanity? And that's actually really easy to see in this passage. Y'all thought we had a break from Matthew to do a Christmas sermon, didn't you? Not on my watch. <laughs> in God's sovereignty, He has led us to this beautiful passage that really illustrates the whole message of Christmas. And shows us why the presence of Christ is so good for us in our lives. Notice, notice this invitation of Christ there in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. You see, here's what Jesus is doing here. He's painting a picture for us. He's using his words to paint a picture, and it's a picture of a person who is carrying a heavy weight. You can imagine uh, like they've got a backpack on or something, and it's just weighed down with a heavy weight, and this weight is oppressing him. This weight is almost unbearable. It is so heavy that the person is trying to go about their life and their work. They're trying to move about, but they're unable to bear up under this heavy weight. It's always pressing him down, and unless he can be free of that weight, his life will be a misery. Now, here's what I want to ask you. If that was you, let's just think about that for a second. If that was you, and you were carrying this heavy burden, this heavy weight upon your back, and it was oppressing you and weighing you down, what do you think you would do? Try to do everything imaginable to get out from under it, right? I mean, you would, you would labor and strive to be free of that heavy weight, right? It's like when... Ezra just plops himself on Judah, and he's just squirming and scrambling, trying to get out from under that heavy weight, doing everything he can. That's what we would do if we were under this heavy weight. You would be doing everything you could to get out from under it. And here's what I want us to understand. This weight that is oppressing us is sin. Do we get that? This weight that is weighing us down is sin. It's the great problem of humanity. Sin is always oppressing us. Sin is always weighing us down. And, and we long to be free of it. And so what happens? We, we long to be free of sin and it's weighed upon us. And so what do we do? We labor to free ourselves, don't we? We do everything we can to free ourselves from its oppression in our lives. And here's the most common thing people do. They realize how heavy sin is. They realize they want to be out from under it. And so they turn to legalism. I can take care of my own sin problem. I can, do, I can handle it on my own. I can rid myself of this weight. And so they turn to legalism as the solution to the problem of sin. I, I can't help but think about the Pilgrim's Progress I mean, if you know that wonderful story, it's an allegory for the Christian life. And the main character, his name is Christian, fittingly for an allegory about the Christian life. And he is carrying upon his back this heavy burden, 
this weight. It's a, it's a symbol for sin, and, and he longs to be free of it. And so since he longs to be free of it, he's willing to listen to the advice of anyone who can help him be free of this burden. And so he talks to Mr. Worldly Wise Man. And Mr. Worldly Wise Man says, Go to that there house, and you'll find a man by the name of Mr. Legality. And he can surely help you with that burden upon your back. And so Christian begins to head to the house of Mr. Legality, but on the way he comes to this huge, looming mountain. The mountain of Sinai, where God gave his law to the people of Israel. And as Christian stands there at the foot of the mountain, he notices that it's looming over his head. It looks like it's about to fall and crush him under it. And the, and the more he moves towards this mountain of the law, he finds that the burden becomes heavier. And so then he tries to climb the mountain of the law, and he begins to make his way up it. And as he starts climbing, he finds that the burden is getting heavier and heavier. And it's this beautiful picture of legalism. Legalism promises us relief. Hey, if you want to be free of the burden of your sin, here's all the things that you need to do. But what you'll find is that legalism cannot free you from the problem of sin. It's only going to make it heavier. It's only going to weigh you down even more. Legalism is as enticing and as deadly as any drug. It promises relief and security, but it cannot deliver on its promises. But, but how many people today are snared by it? How many people today fall for that siren song of legalism? People today think if they can only do more, if they can only try harder, if they can only obey more commandments, if they can only keep more laws, if they can only become more religious and busy themselves with religious activity, well then, then they can free themselves from the burden of sin in their lives. They fully believe that the solution to the problem of sin is to be found in religion. Can I tell you something this morning, church? Religion cannot save you. Only Jesus can save you. Religion will weigh you down and it will become a burden in and of itself. And you know this too, right? If you've ever gone the legalistic route, don't you know how burdensome it is? Don't you know how tiring and exhausting it is? I mean, I've told y'all before about a time I had with legalism early on in my walk with Christ. I'd been a Christian for maybe, maybe two or three months, and I loved Jesus. It was fully, you know, I was naive at the time, and, and I had never even heard the word legalism. I didn't know what it was, but so one day I sat down, and I said, okay, I'm going to make a list. Here's a list of all the things that God requires me to be and do, and, and I'm not that. And so I said, here's my plan of action, because I'm a planner, all right? Here's my plan of action. I'm going to put together a plan of action to become all the things that God calls me to be and do all that he calls me to do, and I'm going to make my list, and each week I'm going to tackle one of those things. I'm just going to knock it off, and then by the end of it, I'll be perfect. And so number one on my list was humility. Now, I had planned a week for each thing. With humility, I only needed a couple hours, and it was just gone, knocked off, right? So, no, obviously not. That's a joke, right? <laughs> humility was first on my list. How are you supposed to get by item number one when you put humility first? 
I mean, that whole week, I was like, all right, I'm going to be humble this week. That's what I'm going to do. And then God will be pleased with me. And no matter what I did that whole week, I found that something would always happen that would reveal pride still in my life. So I just kept working and working and striving and trying. And I never could even cross off the very first thing on my list. How can I move on to number two when I can't get by number one? And so you know what it did to me? It just made me frustrated and exhausted and worn out. And that's what religion does to you, is it not? Religion will absolutely wear you out. It's exhausting. Religion says, hey, try by your own might to be everything God calls you to be. Try by your own might to do everything God calls you to do. And even if you do those things, guess what? You're not actually going to accomplish anything. You take one step forward and two steps back. Religion, the way of religion is like the the donkey that's got the carrot out in front of him, right? It's like, hey, here are all these promises. If you can just do more and keep walking towards that carrot, here are all these promises and they're going to be yours and you'll find relief. Are you ever catching that carrot? No. And so you just keep doing more and more and more and more and you never actually accomplish anything. That's the way of religion. It's utterly exhausting and it is completely powerless to help you with the problem of sin in your life. And listen to me, church, this is where the sweetness of God's gift of Christ comes in. That's where we find relief in Christ's invitation because Jesus says, hey, you don't have to keep working and working and working and striving to try to earn the Father's approval. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. You don't have to earn that rest. You don't have to achieve it. Come to me and I will give you rest. So so notice this, church. Jesus frees us from the burden of sin and legalism. That's one reason why the gift of Christ and his presence in our life is so sweet. It's because he literally frees us from the burden of sin and legalism. Is that worth celebrating today, church? Are you happy that God has freed you from that heavy weight of sin in your life? That it no longer oppresses you and weighs you down because He had called you and you responded to Christ's invitation and now you have found your rest and relief in Him. That is worth praising God for today and every day. Jesus says to us, stop working to try to achieve what the Father sent me here to achieve. Jesus says, you can't do it, but I can do it. I will pay the penalty of sin for you. I will free you from the power of sin. I will begin to rid you from the presence of sin in your life. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. I will give it to you for free through faith in me. Now, doesn't that sound infinitely better than our way? Anybody else want to get back on the hamster wheel of religion and keep running and running and running? This is so much better than our way. You see, as Christians, we continuously make things harder for ourselves than they have to be, right? I mean, we complicate things that don't need to be complicated. When the Lord convicts us of sin in our life, we go, okay, I've got to take my American attitude. I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I've got to put my nose to the grind. And I've just got to work harder and try harder and do more. And Jesus says, I've already done it. 
What are you doing? You're trying so hard to earn the Father's approval. I will give you the Father's approval. Turn from your sins. Put your faith in me. Trust in my finished work. Trust in my sacrifice. Believe in my resurrection. And the Father will be pleased with you because the Father is pleased with me. He says, get off the hamster wheel. You're running for no reason. And so you can keep trying the way of religion and the way of legalism, but I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, it will never work. It cannot free you from that sin in your life like you think it can. There's a better way. God knows how exhausted we are. He knows how worn out we are and how weighed down by sin we are. And He knows that no matter how much we strive and try to earn His love and approval, how much we try to rid ourselves of the problem of sin in our lives, He knows it will never work by our own power and our own might. And so what did God do? He gave us a gift. The gift of His very own Son who takes care of the problem of sin for us, and He gives us the relief and the rest that we long for. And I want you to notice this, church. Not only does Jesus invite us to come to Him for rest, but notice what He says in verses 29 through 30. The the other side of this invitation, He says, Take My yoke upon you, and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus is using language here that the Jewish people were very familiar with at the time. Uh, At the time, the Jewish people were under the yoke of the law. And they often spoke of taking the yoke of the Torah. Now, if you're wondering what that means, it just means that when they were taking the yoke of the Torah... It means that they were submitting to all the demands of the law. They were uh, submitting to all the demands and all the requirements of God's law. And it was a burden for the people. It was a yoke that they were unable to bear. And so Jesus offers people a different yoke. And he's using imagery here of a team of oxen, right? You've got a team of oxen and they are yoked together. And people would do this if they were going to transport heavy weights or if they were going to plow a field or something like that. So they're they're yoked together, and this is the the imagery that Jesus is using here. Now, let's just pause for a second, because I would be very surprised, but, you know, some people do still surprise me. I doubt anyone here has been under a yoke before. Anybody? No? Okay, that would have been concerning, especially if there's children in the room saying, yeah, my my mom, you know, she put me under a yoke. Yeah, so I doubt anyone in here this morning has been under a yoke, but here's what we all have probably done in here before. Moved a heavy piece of furniture. Yeah, pretty much everybody done that before. And here's what you know. When you're moving a heavy piece of furniture that's so heavy that you can only pick it up for a few steps and you just do that little waddle and then you have to drop it because you're unable to bear up under it for very long. Y'all relate to that? Yeah? Okay, that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying the law was this heavy burden that people could only bear up under for so long. And he said, listen, they they are submitting to it. They're under its demands. They're trying to bear up under this heavy weight, and they're trying to make progress. But Jesus looks at all the people, and he goes, I see that the burden is too heavy. 
I see that the weight is too much for you. And even though the people were striving and working and trying to to work for God and make progress in his kingdom, Jesus said, you're barely moving an inch. And so in his mercy and grace, he offers to do something about it. He says, I see that it's too heavy for you. And so Jesus looks at humanity and he says, I'm going to offer you a different burden. I'm going to offer you a different yoke. Now, now pause there for a second, okay? Listen to me. Jesus does not eliminate a yoke completely, right? Do y'all see that? Jesus isn't saying, hey, I see that it's a little heavy for you. You're not really able to make much progress. You can't bear up under it for too long. Let's just get rid of that. That's not what Jesus does here. There's still a yoke to carry, right, church? There's still work to be done. But notice this, because of the work of Christ, the load is manageable for his people. You see, I was trying to think of the best way to explain this. I don't know if I came up to it, but I wanted to explain it in a way that everybody could understand. So let's just think back again to moving a heavy piece of furniture or even this pulpit, which we've had to move a bunch, and it's really heavy. So imagine you're moving a heavy piece of furniture. The heaviest piece of furniture I think I've ever moved is a uh, chest of drawers that's in our closet. Uh, It's far too big for any person to have in their closet. It is huge. It takes up a whole wall, unnecessarily big, but it's there and it's staying there for the end of time. Right, Anna? Yes. For the end of time, it is a permanent part of our house now. So that's the heaviest thing I've ever moved. And I was trying to move it with a couple of guys and it was so heavy. We were doing the waddle. You know, we're just barely making it. We're having a drop, barely making it, having a drop. We could only bear up under it for so long. And then Anna comes along and she goes, why don't you take the drawers out? Well, it's not because I didn't think of that. I did. It's because I'm a man and I'm stubborn. And I said, it's going to take too long to pull all those drawers out. Let's just see if we can do the waddle the whole way. But it made sense, right? The drawers were the things that were weighing it down. They were the things that were slam-packed with stuff. And so once we did remove all the drawers, it was still heavy, but it was a lot lighter than it was. We could bear up under it for longer. We could make more progress as we were moving it because the heaviest things had been removed. All right, we tracking? So here's what Jesus does, right? Jesus comes and he removes the heaviest drawers for all of us. Jesus looks at humanity and he says, here is the drawer of perfect obedience to the law of God. That's going to be too heavy for you. So I'll carry that one. Here is the drawer of a perfect, sinless life. That's going to be too heavy for you. I'll carry that one. Here's the drawer of complete righteousness. I will carry that one as well. Here's the drawer of the penalty of sin. No person is able to carry that one except for Jesus. It's far too heavy for any of you. And so by the time Jesus is done with his work, he has taken all of the heaviest drawers away from us and put them on himself. And so that we're left with a load that is manageable and light. It's far easier than what we had before. That's the work of Christ, folks. Do you understand how good that is? 
Do you understand that none of us were able to hold those drawers, to carry those drawers? They were slam-packed and they were too weighty for any of us. And Jesus says, I'll do it. I will carry them for you. So, So notice, there's still work to be done. There's still a yoke to carry. But now, because of Jesus, it's manageable for us. And so this is another reason why the presence of Christ is so sweet in our lives. Because listen, folks, Jesus places the heaviest burden upon himself. And praise God for that. Jesus places the heaviest burden upon himself. If you're not ready to rejoice in that yet this morning, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Go home this afternoon, start reading the Bible at Genesis. By the time you get to Deuteronomy, tell me you don't feel weighed down. When you read all that God requires His people to be and to do, and then you look to yourself and you go, how on earth am I supposed to do it? That's it. (laughs) That's it. That's what the people of Israel were supposed to see too. You cannot do it on your own. God's law was always supposed to point us to our need for a Savior. For someone to come and take the burden of the law upon Himself. If you cannot rejoice in this, you need to go read again until you feel that weight. And then when you do feel that weight, you remind yourself right then and there that Jesus has done all that the Father requires. He has carried the heaviest burden. He has placed it on Himself. You don't have to do what only Christ can do because Christ has already done it. Turns out when Jesus said, it is finished, He meant it. And there's even more good news. Because you know as well as I do that as you go through this life, those drawers start filling up again, don't they? They start weighing us down. Sometimes those drawers can get weighed down over guilt. They get weighed down with guilt over our past sins or remorse over all the things that we have done, all the mistakes that we've made in our lives. You know what that's like, right? Anybody ever had that drawer fill up before? Where your own flesh or the enemy comes And he likes to remind you of all your shortcomings throughout your entire life, all the mistakes you've made, all the ways that you fall short of who God's called you to be, and then you feel the weight of that guilt. You've been there before, church? We know that they can get weighed down by other things, too. It can get weighed down by the chasm between who God calls us to be and who we currently are. You ever had that happen? Where you say, God, I know I'm a Christian. I know that Jesus has saved me. I know that I'm redeemed. But I really don't feel that way right now. I still see all the ways I fall short. And then you're overwhelmed with that sense of guilt and that burden. Sometimes it gets weighed down by fears that you experience in your life, by circumstances that are beyond your control. And can I just tell you some good news this morning? Every time in your life, that those drawers start filling up again and start weighing you down again, Jesus stands right there and He says, Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You don't have to take the yoke of the law upon yourself. 
You don't have to take the yoke of guilt and shame upon yourself because when Jesus died on the cross, he even died for your shame and for your guilt. You don't have to carry that weight. Jesus invites us to give it to him and let him carry it for us. That is good news, is it not, church? That is the presence of Christ in our lives. Now listen, that does mean that there still is work to be done. Jesus isn't saying you can just sit back and wait on him to return. You don't have to do anything. That's not it at all. There's still a yoke to carry, but it is now light and easy because of the work of Christ on our behalf. You see, I just want us to understand this morning what the message of Christmas actually is and what it's not. Because you'll hear a lot of things that it actually is this season, will you not? A lot of people trying to tell you, even even pastors. So I just want to say this very plainly. The message of Christmas is not, as one very famous pastor said, God became a wriggling baby just to be near you. That's not it. That is not the meaning of Christmas at all. The message of Christmas is that God saw that humanity was absolutely incapable of being who he called us to be and doing what he called us to do. And so in his infinite mercy and grace, he sent his only son to live the life that we were required to live and die the death that we all deserve to die in order to redeem and reconcile a rebellious people unto himself. And he did it all for the glory of of his own name. That is the message of Christmas. Has absolutely nothing with God wanting to be near you. God is omnipresent. He was already near you. The message of Christmas is that our God is merciful and gracious and pursued wicked, rebellious sinners so that he might receive infinite praise and glory. You see, from the very first breath that Jesus ever breathed as a baby, he was already taking the burden off of us and putting it on himself. The weight of the law, the burden of perfection, the burden of righteousness and holiness, the weight of obedience, the burden of death, all of it Jesus removes from us. And he places it on himself and he offers us a yoke that is light and easy. So because of Jesus, we don't have to try to to strive and work to earn the Father's love and approval. It's ours through faith in Christ. We don't have to try to work and earn a right standing with God because justification is ours through faith in Christ. We don't have to wear ourselves out with religious activities because Jesus offers us everything we need through faith In Him, we don't even have to be weighed down by the burden of guilt or shame or shortcomings anymore because Jesus takes it all for us. So church, we must heed His invitation today. You who are weary, you who are heavy laden, you who are looking and longing for rest and relief Come to Jesus and find that rest in Him today. The only present that you need this Christmas in every single moment for every day for the rest of your life is the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. Amen?